You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Sigrun Gunnhildadottir, the CPO at AGR. What I maybe then realized before we started is how far me and my team, the development team, were from the customers. Uh, but by uh, going into a SaaS offering, you're really putting the pressure on the product. And we are back with another episode of the SaaS Nordic podcast. Thank you for being with us once again. Always a pleasure here on our side. And um, hi, Daniel. How are you? Very good. Very good. And you know, you said, Thomas, you just said here that. Um, it's always nice and a pleasure to have everybody uh, with us here. Did you see the email that just popped in from a gentleman called Vilho Heiskanen? Eight minutes ago. We got eight yes, minutes ago. Yes, eight minutes ago. And I just saw it pop up now. And a few episodes ago, we were like, we wonder if there's some people that have uh, listened to all the episodes. And we've actually received quite a few emails from listeners that say like, I've actually listened to uh, all the episodes and just... Uh, Vilho came in here and says like, you know, I'm an avid listener and he says some nice things about us and so on. And he also has some great ideas for other types of content that we should cover here. So like, it means a lot to us that you guys are listening and it's also nice to somehow get it, you know, in an email like this to get a little bit closer to you guys. So if you have ideas and suggestions like Vilho, let us know. Yeah, and Vilho wants to have more stories for founders in the early stages when the challenges is a little bit different compared to the big companies. So let's bring that with us. And Vilho, great. Thank you for uh, mailing us. And with that, I think, you know, we have um, a month or so before we go on summer break. We are in planning stages. Uh, a lot of things can happen after the summer. Uh, you might have heard now that we we have announced SAS is digital. That will be on September 27th. So looking looking into presenting a really great uh, content festival uh, there for you guys. Oh, I like that content festival. And also one thing that I'm thinking about here, and we'll probably also get some input from the community is that one thing that was super appreciated around Sassiest uh, here in Malmö was all the side activities. You know, we had great fun uh, playing games, uh, having different types of meetups and stuff. And uh, why not translate that into a digital environment? What kind of more social site activities could you do to have fun playing games or other things just to hang out in a different way? So if you have any ideas of fun things you could do together, I mean, after hours, I don't know what you want to do, play, uh, play Counter-Strike or <laughs> Kahoot or whatever, um, meet up in a virtual reality meetup. We are all ears. We're going to make sure that there are something for everyone. That sounds good. I'm like, I'm, I'm in love with content festival. We got to put that on the website somewhere. <laughs> all right. Okay. With that, we are ready to go into the interview. Is this the fourth time we visit Iceland, Daniel? Uh, I know of two others, at least. I know of three others. But there's three others. Okay. So it's the fourth time then. So if you know, why are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> Want to see if you're aware. Okay. Let's go. And uh, we have Sigrun on the other side. So see you guys there.
Today we are very happy to have Sigrun Gunnhildadottir, the CPO at AGR, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So welcome, Sigrun. Very happy to uh, be here. I've listened to so many of your episodes and I'm a little bit starstruck. Oh, wow. It's great to have you here. And I was actually a little bit impressed that, you know, we've had so many people on the podcast here with all kinds of different names. And Thomas is really making an effort pronouncing the names as if he were a local and this actually sounded Icelandic I don't know like you tell us Sigrun did you get it right well uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah 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 Let, let's just say so <laughs> yeah you, you will soon uh, pronounce it correctly and uh, also what is sad here is that you know the starstruckness will will uh, not be here anymore after this episode so but uh, <laughs> it's quickly fading so exactly but Sigrun uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself to start with yeah um, so yeah I'm Sigrun I'm um, first and foremostly a mom but an engineer I've been working for ATR now for 10 years uh, I've known ATR through all of my career I got to know them when I was studying at university, because then ATR was a startup and a lot of the uh, staff was also uh, teaching at the university just to make money. And I got to know them then. Then I, uh, I mean, we have a small community here in Iceland. Uh, after I did my master studies in the US, I started working for an Icelandic company and was a customer of ATR. So, uh, I got to know the business from the other end, from being a customer, and then joined the team in 2014. So ATR has been a big part of my journey and my development. Uh, started in customer support and implementation, and then just uh, started to have an opinion about everything, uh, <laughs> and the rest is history. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. And we're going to speak about AGR in just a second. But I know coming into this call, mm -hmm. you told us that you guys did something fun earlier today here that uh, you and Britney Spears and Michael Jackson have something in common. How, what was that again? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this morning, I mean, maybe I was stressed for the podcast, but I wasn't like feeling my best. And we had the topic on a management board meeting that I didn't feel like going into. And I said, can't we do something fun? <laughs> And we all uh, took a personality test and they loved making fun of that. Uh, I was very, uh, the test said I was very similar similar to Britney Spears and Michael Jackson, which I don't know is a good thing. <laughs> and, and did it also give you a, a list of like, what is typical Michael Jackson and Britney Spears? Is there a list of characteristics? Oh, should I look it up? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, unpredictable. Um, fluctuating self-esteem that's probably you know uh, why they are all over the place but the strengths are more you know imaginative sensitive to others passionate sounds like we have an exciting episode in front of us here exactly <laughs> oh like when i think of michael jackson and britney spears i think about like dedication they're so or one was i suppose <laughs> de de dedicated to their profession. So I, I can see like you're like a super dedicated <laughs> to your profession. Yeah, could be. Yeah, one other fun fact that said there was a quote like you wake up as one person and then you go to bed as a completely different one. Okay. So <laughs> that's my day. <laughs> All right. Exciting. Let's see like you come in as Sigrun into this episode. Let's see who you leave as. But bef before we leave each other, yeah, let's talk a little bit about some of the fun stuff here. So 
what is AGR all about? Like, what do you guys do? Yeah, uh, ATR is all about eliminating waste within the supply chain. So we uh, we have a inventory optimization software that is an add-on to a uh, to company's ERP system that helps companies have the right stock at the right time, at the right place, and therefore eliminating uh, all kinds of waste. Um, whether it's financial waste, uh, having too much stock uh, capital uh, stuck in stock, uh, uh, using too much time on repeatable tasks, but also by ordering the wrong product uh, and throwing it away, you are wasting natural resources. So we are all about, uh, yeah, we have a very dedicated team, passionate about eliminating uh, all this waste within the supply chain. Yeah, it, it makes me think of 100 years ago when I went to school, uh, we used Toyota as a case and they had invented something just in time for delivery of spare parts. Mm -hmm. uh, is it something similar? Well, is that what it is? What we try to do or what we do is use the data, all the data we have available today to pre predict the future, like make the unpredictable predictable, to predict, you know, how the consumer is going to behave, what, what they're going to buy, and then order according to that. Yeah. Uh, and then we live in a very unpredictable environment. So we also and strive to give our users the visibility and control like when something happens that we didn't predict because nobody could predict they have the overview and they are quick quicker to react than if they wouldn't have a, a solution like ours makes sense okay and who's your ideal customer uh, yeah, so uh, wholesalers and retailers are our ideal customers. Uh, everybody that uh, we are not very focused on business sector. Uh, it's more about, um, yeah, if they have a, enough stock, so it makes sense to manage it in this way. Uh, so retailers, our ideal customer is maybe somebody with 200 stores and we both handle ordering into the warehouses and then distributing two stores it might be every day or, or weekly uh, wholesalers it can be down to just a company owned uh, uh, business uh, that we go down to maybe somebody that has two million euros in inventory and and by uh, bringing all the data together, uh, we can really help them optimize their supply chain. All right. So uh, to get some numbers behind of the operations here. So where are you when it comes to ARR and growth rate? Yeah, uh, our ARR is currently over 4 million euros. Uh, we grew 67% last year and plan to do the same this year. Okay. Uh, to make it a little bit more relatable, uh, we are a 20-year-old company. We say it took us 20 years to get 200 customers, uh, but we we got 52 last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the, the amount of customers. How many employees are you? Uh, we are 80. Okay. And on what markets do you actively sell to or are you present at? Yeah, so our headquarters are in Iceland, but uh, most of our revenues come from the other Nordic countries and the UK. Okay. Uh, so Denmark and UK are of equal size. And then we 
we ha- have a few customers in Canada and the US. And how are you funded? So the majority of the company is owned by a VC fund here in Iceland uh, called Vax that is mainly owned by the pension funds here in Iceland, but then distributed to some individual owners and, and employees. All right. So the future of the Icelandic people. Yeah. It depends on the success of your business. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. All right. Super. And uh, as you mentioned, you have been around for 20 years. And of course, you weren't mm-hmm. SaaS from the start. Uh, and you have been through a journey now uh, and now have a SaaS offering. So could you just take us back a little bit in the journey, what it looked like and uh, and when you started this journey and what has been sort of the main choices and steps uh, for it? Yeah, it took us 20 years to get where we are. And traditionally, uh, software like ours, we are very dependent on the ERP systems. And historically, they have been hosted on-prem and they are very customizable. Uh, And the setup in one operation is very different uh, to to the next. And therefore, uh, our solution through the years and our strengths have developed in in the direction to be very flexible. So through the years, uh, the the software has been set up uh, on-prem for each customer and uh, the implementation uh, has taken quite a time. Uh, We have a very talented uh, consulting army, like we call them, uh, that uh, they get to know the customer very well and, and fit the software to their needs. That is great, but like everybody, we want to be more scalable. Right. And, uh, and we in development, uh, we have always, I mean, we have always seen the opportunity to standardize all the brilliant work that is being done for different customers into a, into a product that is that, that can get uh, go much quicker uh, to the market and can bring value to the customer much quicker. So by just leveraging on all the brilliant work that has been we have been doing in projects over the last twenty years, and standardizing a solution uh, that can be up and running within hours, uh, starting to optimize the inventory. Uh, we, we see a huge potential in that because when we started to really analyze uh, our sales cycle and, and uh, the market, often we are not losing to comp- competition. We are losing to Excel. We are losing to doing nothing. So uh, the companies, it's too much of a decision to implement the software like ours because it both takes investment. Uh, you have to invest in, in, in a consultant that comes uh, not on site physically, but works with you. Uh, but you also have to invest in your processes and time from your people to, uh, to, to make the product successful. But uh, by, by standardizing the product and focusing on uh, the basics and focusing on getting quick time to value, uh, we can, we can decrease the time it takes to make a decision to buy a software like ours. Okay, so, so there, there was, uh, I mean, as you say, a clear business value in doing this. But when did you decide this? Um, 
that you were going down this path. Yeah, so two years ago, uh, this uh, owner I mentioned, Vax, came in uh, to basically fund this uh, transition. Uh, so two years ago, we, we started out. So was it top-down? There was a board meeting, there was a management meeting and say, hey guys, we need to do it now. Here's a bucket of money. Let's go. Yeah, or... pretty much. Uh, but it wasn't that simple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, this is something we've been working towards little by little, but maybe not with the, the clearest strategy uh, for a long time. Mm. But yeah, it was two years ago that we said, yeah, here's a bucket of money. Let's do it. We are going to offer this new solution. Uh, that that uh, is going to disturb the market. Okay, and then you get this in your lap. You're coming to your product team and say, "Hey guys, I got this bucket of money. Now we get uh, have to get this going." How did you? What steps did you decide to take, or what choices did you have to make in the beginning? Yeah. So uh, first of all, it was all about like just getting people's mind around it. I mean. What are you saying? It's just the same product. Do the same thing for more customers. Did people understand what SaaS was? What's a good understanding already within the company? Yeah, not in the beginning, really. So uh, in the beginning, it was very much about developing this product mindset going from product-driven uh, decision-making and mindset into product mindset. And uh, so in the beginning, it was all about that. But for the product, what we decided to do was just to, uh, we went through all the features in the product and analyzed our customer base and our customer profiles and, and, and figured out for what kind of customer we were closest to being ready with a product. Okay. Uh, what kind of customer uh, could basically use the solution out of the box with minor changes. Okay. Uh, so we narrowed the scope down like that, uh, started to focus on only wholesale customers and uh, only customers using NAV or Business Central, uh, and, and just got started and focused on getting some, something up and running as quickly as possible. But we knew, I mean, there were a lot of changes that needed to be made, uh, but uh, we tried to focus on getting something out as quickly as possible. I just want to back up a little bit because uh, personally I'm curious, uh, how did you manage resource allocation? You used to focus on one product and at, at some point you say, team, we're going to add another product to the business here and it's going to be cloud. Mm -hmm. How did you manage resource allocation? Yeah, so I mean, there are different ways to do it. and. Uh, at first, the idea was to hire a new team to develop the SaaS product and the, the other team would continue with what we were doing. And is that because you, you decided that you're not going to reuse any of the existing code base? You're starting from the beginning? Is that why you felt like we could do it with a new team? Um, yeah, a little bit. And uh, also, it was just uh, so much more about different technical environment. You need to do a bit of rewrites and, and stuff like that. Uh, that you then need uh, so much understanding of the product to do. Uh, but um, then when we got started, we started out dividing into two teams, basically. Uh, one team focusing on uh, the old product and also about uh, making it uh, more SaaS-friendly, basically making uh, improving the user interface, making it more intuitive, uh, 
limiting the amount of time that a consultant would need to spend to just set up the system, right. moving things that they were doing in the back end into the user interface. But then half of the team uh, went on to redesign the cloud infrastructure, uh, moving into a multi-tenant environment and, uh, and all that fun stuff. But we soon saw that when we had two t- teams working in completely uh, different direction, I mean, we are not that big, it started to clash. And one team needed the knowledge of the team wor- that had been working for, for years here, uh, knowing the product in and out. And then we had some new technical capabilities in the other team. So uh, what we decided to do was to join forces and, uh, and take the whole team into, uh, into launching the SaaS solution, mm-hmm. but still we are spending uh, or using a significant amount of time uh, maintaining and developing the old uh, solution. But it works better for us to pick and choose resources to do that depending on what we need to do rather than having... Uh, people dedicated um, to one product or the other. All right. Could you keep a lot of the um, the code base that you already have, or did you have to rebuild everything from start? Yeah, uh, we definitely uh, kept it. And I mean, we are a technically strong company, and it is not the same code base as was written uh, twenty years ago. Mm. A lot of a lot of it had been refactored and redone through throughout the years. And uh, we decided to use the code base and then to uh, redesign and refactor as we went along uh, piece by piece because uh, there is so much value in the product we have been developing with our customers. Uh, it, it is so powerful that if we would have started from uh, scratch, it, uh, we would run into the risk of the solution being just over simplistic but now what we have is a very powerful uh, solution uh, with the limitation of uh, not giving the user or the customer all the customization flexibility in the world but uh, in the core they have the same powerful solution as we have been developing through the years uh, with, uh, with all the algorithms and all the smart stuff yeah and it's all about speed here you don't mm-hmm. to, you don't want to reinvent the wheel right no definitely not and a common thing that companies do when they go into a, a cloud offering mm-hmm. or so is that they, they they start giving the customer that experience why maybe not have mm-hmm. everything in place so did you also start with a, a single tenant offering before you went into multi-tenant oh yeah definitely so uh, in the beginning, uh, what we did, we just fake, we were just faking it until we would make it. Uh, the development team just had the on-prem version up and running for our first customers, mm. uh, but with the same rules in place that we would have for the multi-tenant version that you couldn't customize it and you couldn't change it. Yeah. But we want to get it up and running as soon as possible to start to learn from our customers, to start to learn what is missing uh, instead of uh, waiting until we had the infrastructure in place. Uh, 
to start to get feedback from our customers. Yeah, and it's also a way internally to, to learn, yeah. I mean, how to sell the product, yeah. how to give your customer support and everything, right? Yeah, people had to see it to believe it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when we were trying to educate the, the whole company, uh, what is this SaaS solution? And, and it is the same solution, and, and you had to show it. Yeah. Uh, to, for people to believe it, mm. so we we definitely took that uh, route. Uh, we fake, we were faking it until we made it. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My Newsdesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My Newsdesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. So obviously a change in technology, but it's probably also a change in how you sell this for your commercial team. Yeah. Like if you look back at it, or maybe still, Mm-hmm. Do you feel there were certain things they had to unlearn and certain things they had to learn? And, and how was that approach? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a, we are still on that journey. And, uh, and uh, I mean, the strength of ATR throughout the years and our DNA has, has been that we are very customer success driven. We want to do everything for the customer. And, uh, and the product had evolved in that direction. So you could we could be very flexible, uh, but sometimes too flexible for our own good. Uh, so, but it, it's easy to be a salesperson if you get a question <laughs> and you can always say yes. Yes, we can do it. Uh, and going into a standard uh, SaaS product, it's not completely the case, uh, but rather to focus on the benefits of you don't have to worry about infrastructure. You don't have to worry about upgrades. Uh, that is definitely a challenge yeah. and, and, and continues to be. But uh, we, have, we have had a lot of success as well. So, but we, we just, what I've learned, uh, that, that we just need to say the same thing more often than you think you need to. Right. You know, uh, you feel like you're talking about the same, th- same thing. Um, every day but you probably need to say it three more times <laughs> when you uh, when you thought you had uh... i'm laughing a little bit and thinking of uh you know all the poor salespeople out there and it's probably because i'm biased I, I i guess i'm one of them yeah but it's like everybody in an organization feels like i can do what the salespeople and sales team over there is doing but a salesperson can never think like i'll do what the engineers do so they're always the victims of like, how difficult can it be? <laughs> Just go and sell the story. <laughs> well, uh, I understand you feel like that, but I have a major respect for salespeople uh, because I definitely couldn't do it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, but it's just about like getting the, yeah, learning from each other yeah. and learning something from the more technical people. But I also need to learn from, from the sales team constantly and, and uh, to see how they see the product can be uh, very, is very beneficial to me and my 
our my team every day because uh, you need to be able to tell a story and uh, that is not a given. I know that. So, so looking into to this journey here, what what can you see? What challenges and benefits have you seen? What I maybe didn't realize before we started is how far me and my team, the development team, were from the customers. Uh, but by uh, going into a SaaS offering, uh, you're really putting the pressure on the product. Uh, the product needs to work out of the box. Uh, and if the customer doesn't like it, uh, they leave us. Yeah. And uh, so before we were releasing maybe once or twice a year, and then the customers needed to decide to upgrade. So we we maybe got feedback from new functionality often after a year or year and a half after we had written the code. But today we release every two to three weeks. A developer might be writing a code today and it's out with a customer tomorrow. And it completely uh, changes the game in so many ways. Uh, it changes how we prioritize and we are still <laughs> learning how to do that in a new world. Uh, and it uh, it completely shifts the rhythm. Yeah, and it's more fun, right? It is so much more fun. <laughs> uh, so to be closer to the customer is both just so beneficial to be able to make a better product, but also just way more fun. That is true. Yeah, and has this led to maybe a stupid question from uh, somebody that's non-technical here? Mm-hmm. Has this led to any bigger changes in how you are organized as a team? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have more uh, product managers uh, on board and, and we need to uh, spend more effort into product management and product management. Uh, I mean, three, four years ago, it was only me and developers. Uh, but now we have a lot of different roles, uh, technical writer, uh, uh, somebody res- responsible for releasing and testing and, and all these different roles. And uh, that is not obvious when you're growing quickly uh, uh, how to organize. So we are constantly evolving that. So, But we, uh, we try to we spend a lot of effort in sharing with each other what we're doing. Uh, we, we have demos with the whole development team where a lot of people are inviting, invited from the organization every two to three weeks. Uh, we try to just be very collaborative because uh, we are coming from a culture where everybody is used to being part of every decision. Uh, and now we need to, uh, we, we just can't, do that anymore. We need to make decisions quickly and we cannot uh, make sure that everybody agrees before we we, we make them. Mm. So uh, just to define the roles has been a journey for us because uh, people in Iceland, they're also not very, we don't like hierarchy in general and we, we don't like saying out loud, this one is responsible for this. Uh, we, we are more just, just do it type of people. So, but with this different pace, we just need to find the balance to have everybody involved, but uh, still having some format to be able to make uh, decisions quickly. 
And what are you most proud of in this process? Definitely the people. Mm. Uh, we had a big milestone uh, in December when we took the we, we stopped faking it and we started to make it when we, we took our multi-tenant version live and uh, uh, the whole development team, the product engineering teams, uh, we just had one goal that we set in September and we need everything needed to click to be able to take this uh, live. Uh, also, customer success needed to bear with us because we weren't releasing new developments. We were just focusing on getting this new platform live. And just to feel uh, when you set uh, one big goal and you can feel the organization come together uh, to reach it. I mean, I'm so proud of that. Yeah, I, I can see that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If, if there's anybody listening here and thinking like, we're going to go through the same process. We have an, a legacy product that we need to move to the cloud now. Mm-hmm. What would be your top three advice to the technical lead over there? That is a very good question. <laughs> that probably changes every day uh, compared to the uh, personality test I was talking about uh, <laughs> earlier. They say I wake up as one person and go to bed as another. So what's your best advice in the morning and what's your best advice uh, yeah, in the evening? At, at least now. I mean, really uh, surround yourself with a team that you trust. Uh, because you're going to go through turbulences. Uh, you're you're going to face pressure from the different parts of the organization uh, that maybe don't uh, understand fully what you're going through. So just focus on the people and focus on building relationships that help you go through it every day. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, it, a lot of things are changing and you need to have some solid people with you and around you Yeah. that can weather the storm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still, still, you know, uh, you need to need to make sure that you there are a lot of temptations on the way uh, there are constant temptations to take shortcuts and to do quick things quick fixes that you were able to do when you had different versions running for different customers but you're not able to uh, do when you're really striving for this scalability so you need to uh, surround yourself with people uh, and that just help you weather that storm. So solid people resist temptations to take too many shortcuts. Yeah. Do we have a third one? But still, <laughs> still like uh, find the balance to uh, react to the market and, and, and make changes so that uh, you can get the first customers up and running as soon as possible. Because you don't really know anything until you have a customer. Okay. So get started, start iterating, mm-hmm. and, and work close to the customers. Mm-hmm. That's great. So uh, if we look here, um, you're quite quite new in the SaaS journey, but if we look uh, here in the next two to three years, mm-hmm. what's going to happen at AGR? Yeah, uh, so many things, but uh, we are just going to multiply the rate. We are, we are going at reaching uh, more customers uh, and to minimize the waste in their supply chain. So um, yeah, it's it's all about scaling the, the sales process for us uh, to figuring out uh, 
the go-to-market strategy, uh, what is the, the, the best way to take the, the product for, forward, to learn from, you know, all the experience uh, to, that we have had from working with all these big companies over the years. Um, all right. Cool. Uh, and is there anything particular? I mean, we have a great audience listening now. Is there anything particular that you're looking for or would like to have some help with? Yeah, yeah, that is a very good question. Um, everybody says talent, talent, talent. Yeah, so you can't say talent. Uh, I'm always looking for talent, but actually... <laughs> what kind of talent? Is there a specific, if there's like one type of profile, Yeah. you feel that this would accelerate a lot for us right now, what type of profile is that? Uh, we are... We are starting to look for a CRO for uh, ATR. So somebody like me, a good looking, knows a few things about sales, funny. Yeah, somebody like that. Yeah, that's, you hesitated though. You hesitated. That's it. That's it. <laughs> company ready to laugh about uh, personality tests in the morning, yeah. but uh, has the experience to expand, uh, uh, to transition uh, a sales team from on-prem to, to SaaS and taking a SaaS, SaaS solution to the market. So we are we are looking for that. You have to send the link to that personality test and me and Daniel is going to take yeah, it exactly. and we'll let you know yeah. who, we, who we will be. Uh, <coughs> Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. Okay, <laughs> and uh, who would you like to see on the show then? Any Anyone that you would be excited to listen to? Yeah, um, so that's also a very good question. Uh, for me personally, I, I'm always looking for people that are focused on the on the people side of this kind of a journey okay. because uh, all SaaS companies, they go through uh, loads of transformation, uh, maybe not the same as we are doing, but that just the, the business is constantly transforming. And, and that is why I love, love this business. Mm. But... Uh, uh, Somebody that is really focused on the the culture and 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 how to take people through this type of transition. Okay. Uh, but I also would like to give a shout out to uh, some of the people here in Iceland uh, doing brilliant things in the uh, in their SaaS journey. Drop some names. Drop some names. Yeah. One example is uh, Sindri, uh, one of the founders of at uh, Tixly. Uh, which is a ticketing agency. Okay. Uh, they are growing really fast. Um, uh, I would really love to to hear his story. Okay. And I, I think you would enjoy it. All right. So with that, I, I, we are done with the episode. Mm -hmm. It was great having you here, Sigrun. Yeah, so great to be with you. Yeah. And we are looking forward to follow ADR's uh, journey and also to have you in the executive network in the one of the CPO groups. So I'm so excited. Uh, that would be great. Thank you so much. All right, then. So th thank you so much, Sigrun, and uh, see you around. Take care. Take care now. Okay, so Daniel, what's your key takeaway from uh, this episode? I mean, this is a little bit of a deja vu moment. Uh, it was uh, good to listen to Sigrun, but, you know, we, we've lived through this exercise both once, once or twice, and it's a difficult exercise. So I really appreciated how she at the end there said at the end of the day it's all about the people you know making sure you have the right people and the right mindset to manage this transition because there's you know constant changes things don't go as you planned and so on and god knows uh we've seen it all that it's difficult to make this type of a big transition it sounds easy it never is 
so it, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> a refresher down memory lane for me a little bit. What about you, Thomas? Well, I think she said it well. Uh, and sometimes I ask myself, why is it so fun working for a SaaS company or in the SaaS business? And, and you know, as a product company, when you start with a SaaS offering, you get yourself so much closer to the customer. I mean, you could do a thing one day that the customer can start to use another day. And also, if you don't do well to your customer, they can leave you at any point, right? Right. And I think this direct contact with the customer and this direct feedback is something that, that is so rewarding and is one reason why SaaS is so appreciated by many. Yeah, it's a cool world to be in. It is. It is. Speaking about cool things, besides SaaS digital, what other cool things do we have here in the pipe that people can expect maybe before the summer or during the summer? Like if they feel a little bit like, oh no, it's summer, how am I going to like hang out with the SaaS Nordic guys? Is there a way for them to stay sassy? There's always a way to stay sassy. So uh, you don't need to uh, be afraid that the podcast will go on a break. We'll make sure that there is at least one episode a week, a week that you can listen to in the hammock. And uh, I mean, we are planning for for the events here in the fall. We have the big digital event. We are also planning for an investment day and a jobs day. So there are, are some of those initiatives going on. And we're also looking into uh, meetups across the Nordics, social meetups where we just can get together, have a snack, have something to drink and just mingle around. So that's also one of the things that we enjoy doing and that is appreciated by the community. Right. And short term here, if you want to get your hands dirty, you might have seen that we've opened up now the floodgates. If you have a grand idea yourself or for somebody in your business or somebody you know that should be a speaker at Sassy's Digital here in September, let us know. Yeah. Uh, because right now we're, we're preparing the agenda, we're creating the slots and so on. So we're open for ideas and suggestions. And focus is always about, we don't want to hear a product pitch, we want to hear about lessons learned from some kind of a journey from point A to point B in your SaaS journey that other operators can learn from and benefit from. Absolutely. So you can already now head over to sasisdigital2023.com and read more about the event and make sure that you have September 27th in your calendar. And with that, thank you for being with us today and uh, see you soon again. Ciao.